Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. That's zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. Hi, everyone. My name is Abhishek Bansal. I'm the founder and CEO of Shadowfax. One minute, stop. Ready? Let's go. This could be a great intro. <laughs> You would surely know this. A unicorn is originally a mythical horse from fairy tales. It is a funny coincidence that our guest of this episode, Abhishek Bansal, named his startup after another mythical horse. Those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans would have already guessed that we're talking about Gandalf's horse, Shadowfax. Abhishek's journey of building Shadowfax is no less fascinating than the journey of Frodo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings. Abhishek is an IIT Delhi alumnus who was working as a consultant when he got to see China's startup scene and disruptive platforms like Pinduoduo who were building hyperlocal logistics infrastructure. Inspired by that, he decided to build the same infrastructure in India. And the rest, as they say, is history. Today, Shadowfax is India's largest hyperlocal logistics platform and it has raised 120 million dollars till date from top global VCs. Here's Abhishek telling Akshay that about how it all started. end of 2012 to early 2014 this is the time when the taobao of china was growing at an exceptional pace you have all these meituans coming up you have the food delivery network exploding you see all these oto platforms like jd and and the others really really becoming big in china and we were working with one of the retail firms we were advising them on their retail strategy we were talking about how to f- create an organization which can actually foster this growth use this basically as a potential to grow on back of their retail network and uh, all we could see is like crazy skill it like every every few days it made me think like what's going to happen in india is the are these two worlds so different that this will never happen in india or is there is a probability that india might actually behave the same way and i think we got an exceptional experience working into the retail sector we understood how the china market was growing and i clearly remember i think end of 2014 is when i when i moved back to india and interestingly the moment i was back to india i was signed an indian client we were trying to see the indian industry and i remember going like for a week on the new new assignment as i call it <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, i'm like nothing is happening in india it's india is not going to happen like <laughs> in india india has to change you can after what i've seen there I, 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 this is this is a place which has to change now so i moved places i moved to bombay in like mid 2014 and i think that's when probably the journey began to start shadow facts that was the time i had no co-founder i had no team i had no idea i had no no clue what to even do a couple of things people advised me at that time i was like until you like really have your ass on fire you, you won't you won't innovate you won't think idea baithe rahoge to fir matlab time aa jayega idea nahi aayega i think uh, that was a kind of a uh, move and it was a it was a complete white board like all open option anything like i can just potentially go in any pot, any particular potentially any direction and i think that was a very interesting phase tried out a bunch of stuff uh, 
<laughs> uh, for a couple of months, I was working with a friend setting up a night delivery kitchen. So if you are in, uh, where, which city are you from? I'm from Delhi, but I've spent little bit of time in Bombay, not too much. Yeah, yeah. But... So in Bombay, we used to run this night delivery kitchen, 24-7 thing, anything that you need, we'll deliver it. And there was a friend who was starting this up. I was like, come in, I'll help you set up something. Uh, it's interesting. It's something I, I, I've got attracted to back in China. Let me come and see what you are trying to do. It's, so I worked over there for a couple of months. Then I worked um, with with an NGO, Pratham. They are basically into, into vocational training. And they, I, I was particularly working, uh, working on their vocational training program. Worked there, spent a bit of time, understood how people in this entire industry come from, how people behave, how, how are the, like, the grassroots level employment problems in this country. And I think I saw a bunch of stuff. And this is the time when food delivery had just started. This was the first, like, I remember, uh, I think, Giant 2015 was the first time that you would actually order a food and there's someone who will basically come and deliver it. So it was very... And Bombay had a lot of action in food delivery. Yes, yes. Like Bombay particularly had, and... Yeah, Bombay had Tiny Owl, who had only huge discounts. And there was this entire thing exploding out there. I could see that there is a there's a lot of action happening in this entire O2O space. You, like, consumers... That is O2O, like... Offline to online. People go offline to eat and they're now basically going online and they're ordering and eating at home. This entire offline transaction need to essentially go online. That was the whole belief at that point. And having personally now used some of these services, I realized, oh, this is an interesting time. This is this is happening finally. This this had to happen. But I think this is bringing an unbelievable customer experience. Why would I as a customer not do it? If I had the opportunity to order grocery, food, anything within the, and which can be delivered within a couple of hours, why will I go out? It does just does not make any sort of sense. And I think that's when we really started working towards Shadowfax. Uh, and the, again, the idea of Shadowfax evolved over a couple of months. It was not like a, a moment of Eureka, oh, let's do this. We, we actually took a lot of time doing a lot of primary research in terms of just going there out, out and talking to people. And the whole idea was like, how will a viable business get created, which can enable all of these offline stores to actually deliver to their customers. What do these people really need so that they can actually start delivering? And we did a bunch of research. We understood like the kind of challenges that logistics had. And having set up a small kitchen myself, I understood how difficult it is to even manage people. Having a fleet of 10 delivery boys is a, is a painful, painful problem. It is like, imagine like if there are 2000 stores, Will each one of them have their own set of people just to deliver product? It is extremely inefficient. It is very, very costly and it is painful to execute. Like hiring people, managing, retention, all of that. And then people competing between each other for pricing. It's, it's a very, very difficult problem to really think about when it comes to that. And what we realized was that this is a problem that every business is going to face. You talk about like a small merchant, you talk about a large chain. Whoever we went and spoke to, we were doing primary surveys and suddenly we started doing sales. People were buying our services while we were doing sales. We, we are asking questions that, oh, we have come up with this sort of a business model. Do you think it's interesting? Why would you use if you want to use that? And then I go, oh, we want this service. Can you start from tomorrow? I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> 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 We're just researching. So I remember we hired like about good, like 10, 15 interns in Bombay. Uh, and we did all that research. We understood like what really is happening out there. Uh, just to like, and immediately we realized that by the end of the survey, we didn't even need data to collaborate that, oh, we should do this or not. We were like, well, 
now can we actually say yes because a lot of people have started calling us <laughs> we have sold something that we were we didn't even know uh, like anybody wanted earlier so i think that's how the journey actually started it took us a couple of months and i think these are very interesting months because we were also trying to define the fundamental of our team so one thing that i was very very clear back in those days was that it is it is like very difficult to succeed if you're soloing if you're like flying alone out there you you need to have a great founder founding team and uh, i think there's one thing which probably i was i was good at tech, uh, i was good at business but i think when it comes to technology there was little that i could have done back in those days so i think that's that's very interesting because when i went to bombay i think that's when i met weber weber was my co-founder I'm not really met i reconnected with him <laughs> so weber and i over okay 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 is he like iit friend yeah yeah so weber and i overlapped in campus he was two years junior to me stayed in my he was in my hostel we had like good bonding good friendship we worked a lot back in those days as well and uh, weber graduated in 2014 i had graduated in 2012 so he just started his first job in bombay and i was moving to bombay and i and i was just looking to meet friends in and that's when i think me and we were started started striking a chord he weber was extremely clear that he want to start something he is not even willing to wait for 2 years he wants to do it right now right here he he knows the time is right now every like if you are a great guy in technology you can start something you can raise capital you can build on top of it and uh, he was extremely clear that he wants to start something and that's when i think we connected Uh, or rather we reconnected uh, spent a lot of time brainstorming ideas spending like weekend just thinking brainstorming in the air that what can potentially happen and at that time we were even i would i would say debating <laughs> as wide as like starting a company in logistic to probably starting even something like a tinder so <laughs> that was how, that was how wide the domain of like the conversation was at that time i think we and over a period of time we spent a lot of time together we got that conviction early 2015 we got this idea we started doing primary research we built this business out and and i think it was mid of 2015 is when we eventually launched and the whole thesis at that time was that essentially everybody wants home delivery as the customers need home delivery the merchants need home delivery they're going to be maybe 20 30 different platforms that are going to be created over the period of next 10 years large platforms who are going to uh, basically where consumers are going to place an order and they'll be either using the offline store or they'll probably be having their own warehouses but product will need to get delivered at an extremely quick pace you will not be waiting for 5 days 10 days to get your things delivered and we were very very clear which is what you saw in china also mm-hmm. like like china probably had next day delivery like no i think china had moved to like back in 2014 itself china had moved to like a few hour delivery models and so of these models that we created actually i'd seen them like i i i knew that this exists over there because it's a highly highly fragmented market in order if it is a extremely fragmented market you have to really consolidate somebody has to consolidate it otherwise you will never be able to scale in like if you think about 10 years down the line not where we are even today i think today we have these large aggregators you don't order from an independent restaurant no no restaurant today have their own delivery world okay nobody in this industry hires delivery world i think that's how we have come in in the last 6 6 7 years already but i think that was the thesis even back then that this cannot operate the way it is the market needs to be consolidated Uh, there's going to be all these hundreds of companies who are trying to going to deliver it's a difficult problem it's like managing is there even 30 companies you cannot have 30 different networks existing when it comes to managing these people 
you think about it you you think like think about how electricity distributed in our country there's a single power grid structure the power grid is basically the one which is transmitting all the uh, all the energy required across the country and you can just tap in and get it on the on demand you do you are basically completely eradicating all the inefficiencies that lie in if you basically run a network in silo so i think that's the whole fundamental behind how we build this business so on one side we we have these individual or people or the crowdsourced partners who work on our platform and on the other side we have these smes these large enterprises who are basically today working on our network it's a two sided marketplace so we basically essentially do the matchmaking our algorithm over here is a is a highly functional algorithm it's a, it's a it's completely built on machine learning data driven algorithm and it and it solves for multiple kind of problems within a small ecosystem so think about like solving for allocation who should do what kind of an order how do you manage customer experience how do you manage how do you manage earnings per person for us like to regain people and to basically manage a equitable index we cannot have one person earning a lot versus one person not making any money there has to be an equitable distribution in doing all of that as well as basically managing a cost and pricing structure for the for the for the businesses that we work with businesses work with such kind of aggregate network when they eventually start seeing a cost benefit as well the cost of aggregating into a network should be should be significantly lower than what you would have done probably in a silo and that's the core advantage people start seeking as well so i think it's a it's a very very core data driven algorithm that we have ended up building in this business it's, a, it's people call our system extremely complex just just imagine running a backend of a food delivery company an e-commerce delivery company and a, at a grocery delivery company three different categories and maybe even medicine where you need a prescription and all of, all of that proofs to be carried around four different categories that we have built and created everybody who's basically working at the platform in this particular space is, is currently integrated on shadowfax and building so much complexity into a network and managing it through a same set of people basically there are people the category there are different kind of enterprises there are different kind of requirements somebody wants a delivery in 30 minutes somebody wants a delivery in 60 minutes somebody wants to return their item how do you manage that i think that's that makes a business problem extremely complex extremely data driven to solve because some of these decisions need to happen in a very split second so did you so you know you saw the need for aggregating delivery there were two ways to go about it you could have done the denso approach yeah. or even the grofers approach yeah. which is that you build a direct to customer platform and tell the customer you want food you want grocery whatever you want you want medicine i will give you everything which is what denso thought they will do yeah. which of course now time has shown that that was probably not the right call but you could have taken that call what made you take the call that let's do b2b so again i think when we started very much in the origin we were fairly open to what we want to do we were open to experiment we were open to thinking about small businesses large enterprises even let's say end customers placing an order we created all of those experiments and i think i think see fundamentally the way we think as as founders and that's one of my advice as well to people to listeners in this in this podcast think about building a category think about doing something which nobody else is doing out there how do you create a certain category which you can eventually win and rule is the is the idea is the concept so different that you don't have people 10 times bigger than you already doing or you don't have 20 other competitors larger than you are already doing that and i think there is a there's a acute focus on finding what category we define 
becoming the market leader in that particular category and obviously doing it in a in a profitable manner you you want to build a business out of it i think most of our decisions of how shadowfax has evolved and how we have created a certain unique category for ourselves is being basically driving what business strategy we want to take should we go after sme should we go after last mile clients should we go after enterprises i think it's all being driven by the fact that we want to build a unique category and basically become a market leader in that and like that category should have the right to exist there should be a reason why that category so i think that's how we started building it very early in the in the problem statement we realized that oh that by the time we started shadowfax there were 20 other companies which are doing end customer which were taking an order from a customer and delivering okay Okay, there were twenty-five hundred grocers and yeah, well. grocers, paper tap, tiny house, swiggy, zomato, food panda, you name it. <laughs> okay, these are some of the names that I recall right now. They were like they were every city had local players when you when you talk about food delivery. These these are two thousand fifteen times that you could actually order for virtually free. Like that's how crazy those markets were. <laughs> okay, and what we realized was that that the, the it just does not make any sense for so many players to be needed right now. They are all undercutting each other. It's a bloodbath out there. Just does. Not make any sense. But what was clear was that this first that this space is going to always get attention. That you need to really be looking out for the space because the consumer demand is there. People want to order. There's a fundamental need that you are essentially solving for the end consumer. And what we realized was that let all of these people fight it out. We provide the backend. The backend is complete. You'll sell the shovels, yes, in the gold rush. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll do that, and I think that's how we started. We were initially we were hundred percent SME driven, so we were not working with large enterprises because none of them existed back in those days. We started working with mom and pop stores, very small, 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 small enterprises that we eventually started working on. We used to take order on call. We used to press a button. We used to go there, pick it up, and deliver. We got like some amazing partnerships. Uh, but but yeah. t- 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 tell me about the actual launch. Like, how did you even aggregate these gig workers? And it's it's like operationally, it just sounds like something which me having never, you know, like like me having complete white collar background. Yeah. I can't even imagine how I would go out and build a team of delivery boys. And so so tell me how you launched it. Well, I like as I told you, like sales was not a problem. We used to go out there. We know people are sitting actually to basically give us services. So that was not a problem. And I think it's a fantastic question because very late, a little like, do people actually care about how do you talk about this supply? <laughs> how do you how do you really build it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the challenge. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I think it was. A, see again. I think that's where probably the couple of months that I spent with Pratham actually. helped me define how we basically source people some of the fundamentals that we learned that we applied they are actually still existing that's the way we even today operate but i'll actually talk about what pratham does in this and then you'll understand how 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 we how basically we got them in and pratham was actually a partner for the first one year of our journey they were our knowledge partner they were the execution partners for in a lot of areas with us so we did a very deep partnership with the with the non profit to actually kick start some of those things but i think later on after having understood how some of these things operate i think we started building some of this on our own and i think we've scaled up like in a crazy manner post that so the way pratham used to work was that and it still does today So it's a, they provide vocational training. So they'll actually find people in this country who who want to pay money to basically train themselves, and then actually go and find certain jobs. And these were like these were not white collar jobs, right? From training to a beautician to a, a to a plumber to they'll train you for that. And trust me, building a business model 
where you are charging for training, especially in these some of these sectors, it gave them very unique capabilities to how to find such kind of people, how to how to create that sort of a network. And you need people at the grassroots level. You need people at a very local gully level to actually find people. We call this sourcing. This is, this is typically called sourcing or mobilization of people. I, I remember the first day of our launch and we we took our audacious target that oh, we launched with 100 people and, uh, and we have to launch in seven days. It's not like going to take eternity to do that. We have to do it in seven days. And I remember like we we hustling us a team, we have people from Pertham, everybody is like figuring out what to do, how to hire so many people. And this was in Gurgaon. So you have, you have aware of Gurgaon. And, and you needed 100 people with bikes. 100 right? people like, with bikes with, with mobile phones. Okay. And back it was even not easy. Like finding people with mobile phones is not as easy as it is today. So we did that. And I remember how, how actually the team executed it. And we had a very small team. I think it was a like very, very small team which was actually working on it. And the way they did was we essentially created stalls in every la- every village of Gurgaon. So within Gurgaon, there are those small, small villages. So between those massive high rises, you'll find a small village out there. We went over there, we put up a stall. We we did the old Hindi, Hindi movie style where you have that big auto guy with a loudspeaker. Yeah. Remember the one you saw in Vasipur? <laughs> we did that, okay? We, we did that kind of a style. And we took registrations. Like, and we said, if you join us at this date, we'll... You know, we'll do this, this, this. This is the amount of money that you can make, and it was a very competitive market. And I remember we got like, like, so we decided that we'll do the sprint of mobilization for about five days, and we'll get the people in. I remember people on the ground. They're like, after three days, they're like, we are closing the registrations. It's done now. We have five hundred people in who want to do this, and if we take more, we don't know what to do with those people. So the requirement is not so high. Like we have to go live with hundred. And uh, and you were not giving fixed pay. You were like paper delivery kind so of we, model. Obviously, when you're starting, when you're trying something new, you 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 give certain incentive. You you give some something performance driven incentive that you work for thirty days, you'll get this much amount of money, or you don't do any fraud, you'll you'll basically maintain a certain customer experience, and you get that. And I think that's how we did it. I remember like taking a training myself, the first training before going live. It was like, I remember there was a, there was an uncle who had given us our, his basement to run as an office. And one fine day he wakes up, he's like, why are 200 people in my basement? <laughs> why have you choked the entire little bike? <laughs> we didn't think about any of that. Okay, We didn't realize there was a parking problem that was going to happen. So we did that. There were 200 people sitting in the basement. I remember taking the lecture like two hours. We we do we did role play. We did all of that, and there was no content or anything. It was like okay, but you are here, So I think each one played our part. Uh, we did that. I, I I think it was go live day. We actually launched with close to about 110 people on the ground. There were people operating on an app. There were the go live day. We got like close to about 500 orders on on first day. How many customers did you sign up for? Your so client? that was about, I think, close to about 100 odd merchants, 100 to 120 odd merchants, yeah, that we were doing that for. And then why Gurgaon? Like you were in Bombay all this while, like why suddenly launching it? <laughs> no, so I think, see, Gurgaon was a, was a comfort zone for us. Gurgaon and South Delhi, that's where we started having spent a lot of time in campus, having spent a lot of, like I had deep connections over there, just in terms of, you have to start with restaurants. You knew the restaurant owners. <laughs> there were a bunch of, I remember a bunch of IIT alumni who were running restaurants, big, big chains out there. And we just called them up. We were like, oh, we are launching. You want to try it out? Like, how oh, you start something? People are really very helpful. And I, I think uh, people in your network, you always go back and realize that 
you can reach out to them always and they'll they'll be like willing to help willing to willing to try it out okay you're doing something interesting chalo karte hain wo delhi wala attitude thoda i think the place has a vibe to it so we started over there so i moved back i think we were in bombay we we built our tech over here then we moved to delhi and we realized that we we'll start from delhi because that's the place we understand the best we have a very very core understanding of how the markets how the geographies how people think how how and the kind of network access we'll have over there just from because of the campus presence very close to south delhi out there you again what we did we went out there we had to build a first set of team in delhi we went to campus we called like 20 people for drinks we hired seven eight of them <laughs> <laughs> and you you had like a app launched on day one like you 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 directly went with an app approach like place the order on the app when you for the retailer it doesn't it doesn't really work if you don't have a app behind it how could you even communicate with the delivery person so i think we started obviously yeah, and <laughs> it was not a smooth launch just to set the expectations right it was not a smooth launch <laughs> I, i remember like uh, there was a investor presentation it was go live we were talk- we are talking to investors on parallel and uh, and i remember there was an investor call and weber was calling me up and he's like oh is the code which is running right now that's the only code piece we have the original one i just got i just got deleted somehow <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> i don't know how to solve that problem right i think it took him 12 hours to retrieve the code otherwise after 12 o'clock our website would have been like uh, the entire app would have gone down so <laughs> you know it was very very crazy i think launch but i think that's what happened like you I think you always remember those times where you and that's when we first saw that oh we are creating some value and it was very clear right from day zero we have we have actually picked up a problem now nobody had seen it at that time we were the first ones to come up with this idea I remember within a period when we started this within about three to four months there were like ten of us and it's not like people saw us and then they started I think there were some other teams which are actually we were something very very similar both of us like. came up with this idea at, the, at that very moment so i think the idea was born <laughs> uh, i think it was a time i think it was a time which was ripe for such an idea to exist such a business to exist and uh, uh, i think we could very very realistically see that we are solving a very core and what did you price it uh, like for those uh, 100 customers you signed up like so uh, i think initially we priced it on a per transaction order uh, only it was a flat per order base that you get it delivered no matter how far how close we'll charge you a fixed fee for this and uh, we'll specifically help you in your pcard in your pcards you will not go you will not have to reject order that we don't have people available I think that was how we started solving it. Goes without saying, we we were not making any profit or anything. I think the initial time was just about can is are you even solving a need? Are, is is are people willing to buy and pay for it? I think that was like proof of yes, concept. A very sm- a small proof of concept. I think that's how it all started. And I think the cost in this sort of a model actually to make money is a very very business thing. A very very rare thing in this sort of a business. So just to let you know, so this kind of a marketplace that today that we have built, where on one side you have all these enterprises, then you have all these delivery partners. It's essentially you are creating a service marketplace where you are providing a certain customer experience. You are providing on top of people who are completely dynamic in nature, where there is an element of trust that you have to build in your algorithm itself. What we've seen globally is that service marketplaces are extremely rare businesses to find and build. There are very, very few scalable, profitable service marketplaces. It's an extremely difficult problem because the moment your demand goes up, your service level should not go down. Your demand, supply, and your service excellence should scale up all at the very same time. 
And while you're scaling this and building this up, you cannot have overhead. You have to basically do it through technology. Otherwise, the overheads will make the model unsustainable in itself. And when you're aggregating so much supply and demand, and essentially it is about people. You're aggregating the thoughts of people. Your people, their time is essentially the commodity that you're trying to build and sell on your platform. And you don't want randomness creeping in. And when you're talking about behavior, people, behavior and randomness do obviously creep in. So how do you solve for that? I think that makes the model extremely complex, extremely difficult. Very, very few companies have actually made money in this sort of a business. In the early days, we realized enterprises are scaling up. Enterprises need us more than the small guys. Lala running his own restaurant might still be able to hire a person, but a McDonald's is certainly in a lot of problem. Doing it in an organized sector is a very, very difficult problem than just doing it in an in organized sector. I think it was within six months of our journey, we realized that, oh, we have to solve the enterprise problem. This is not a SME problem. Eventually, if I am going to place an order for my favorite pizza, I want a single lab. I don't want to remember the pizza name on Google, search it, find it website, and then place an order. How do you manage customer experience in that? The way, what we realized was that they are eventually going to be extremely large platforms which are going to emerge. The enterprises are something which is a great business opportunity for us. They were actually willing to pay us much higher. Their credit worthiness was extremely high. And and the and the growth ambitions were very, very clear. So we within six months, we actually started working primarily for enterprises. And that's when the journey began of basically creating a very, very strong enterprise tool today, which exists today. Today, 95% of our business comes from enterprises. You talk about any brand in this country, you talk about anybody who delivers to the last mile customer they will be using shadow facts. You talk about Swiggy, you talk about Tomato, you talk about someone like a Magic Pin, you talk about medicine companies like a 1MG or a Apollo, you talk about someone like a Zepto, Big Basket, someone like a Flipkart, Misho. Everybody today uses shadow facts. We are the only company or the only logistics platform who can actually say that they have created various categories. Like within, like all these different categories, use a common set of network they have their own differences. Each category is different. Think about ordering a grocery where you want your vegetables. You want to see your vegetables versus let's say a food delivery where you will, you'll take an order versus a, a mobile phone where you'll get a packed order. You want to return it, you can return it later. Each category is very, very different. And how do you abstract the commonality between categories created on a common platform? Make it extremely simple for people to and to understand. And extremely intuitive to apply as well on the ground. We got all of these enterprises on the same platform. Within every, and there's an interesting term that you're not now going to hear from me. It's called a micro-market. A micro-market is, let's say, like a Galeria is a micro-market for us. Let's say, Kormangla is a micro-market for us. Bandra West is a micro-market for us. Today, we are at a level where we have demand coming from all possible categories. Be it food delivery, be it grocery delivery, be it medicine delivery, or be it e-commerce. We have all these platforms which are integrated. We have a very, very complex tech platform to manage the nuances of each category, the nuances of people, behavior, and optimization for customer experience and cost. In each of these categories that we build in, we have the same set of people who are basically working across categories, following our algorithm, and essentially delivering that. Now, what happens is, in this sort of a journey, you end up creating a sort of a network effect where you have so much demand coming in and there's so many people coming in. People come because they know all the companies are there on the platform. All the companies come because they know all the people are here on this particular platform. The cost of scale-up is extremely low. They can immediately start guaranteeing customer experience without like depending like on any external influence or building it out by themselves. 
I think that's the kind of network effect we have ended up creating in this entire journey. And uh, again, this is a network effect which is prominently what we have seen in, in urban areas. We have also now started seeing in some of the tier two, tier three cities where we are where we have created some of these effects where we are taking some of the brands that we work it work basically into the lower reaches of the country. And I think this entire aspect of this network effect where as a delivery partner, I come on Shadowfax. It's basically for them, this is a place like one app, all companies. I come over here, I find all kind of companies to work with and basically maximize my earning. Now, the way this entire platform is created, the way we brand position it, the way people understand about our business, we have created a model where we like to show them now, if you're working for one particular company or one particular individual, it's like you're investing in a in a stock. It's an independent company stock. Versus, let's say, if you have a Shadowfax app, this essentially behaves like a mutual fund. Where when you're on the app, you can potentially work for all these companies that you can maybe even indirectly work with, but you're getting the best deals out. What we have done really well, and this, some, this is something that we've done over the last couple of years only, we've actually moved to a what internally we call it a sizzling payout deal. What that essentially is that for if I'm a delivery partner in my micro market or wherever I am working, I'll essentially be shown deals. Deals are basically where I can go or I can log in and make money. This is where I can stand and I can start making a different form of money. So for example, if you're, let's say, think about it. Like if you're standing in front of a Zepto store and you're attached to Zepto for the next three hours where there's a peak hour going on versus let's say you're just probably in a in an area where there are only restaurants. On a very real-time basis, we actually tell them what are, where is it that you need to stand? Where is it you will get the best price in at this very moment? And an individual can actually see what deals will be visible for the next seven days. So they can actually plan as well. It's not real-time. You can plan, oh, Sunday, I see there is a there is a massive spike coming in e-commerce delivery. The season sales have happened. If I basically book this slot, if I do this basic training, I can actually make a lot more money than I make on a usual Sunday. Or let's say if there's a Christmas day coming in, Christmas people order 40% more food than usual, right? And we have to meet that demand. So we essentially give them those best kind of deals. Now, and this has basically become a very, very strong pull factor. It's a, it's a brand recognition factor for us today where people understand I stay on Shadowfax, it's a place, one app, all companies. I come over here, I, 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 I make these money in these crazy days. And my risk is reduced. As a platform, what also you would have heard a lot these days is around the gig economy. Basically, the earnings fluctuating significantly and that causes a lot of friction. See, that is the problem when you start running your own networks. If there is a common network where all of you are plugged into, the the purchasing power for, for I would say, intermittent serviceability is extremely low. I think that's the whole value prop. Today, enterprises are basically building models on top of on APIs. So today, two kind of APIs work in. One is when, let's say, you have your internal fleet, you have your own capacity, you want a high flex capacity, you can use that. The other model we work in is their business is completely getting built on top of platform. Some of the most amazing new age D2C brands, some of the large platforms which have recently emerged have actually been built on top of Shadowfax. When I say built on top of Shadowfax, it means like they'll probably be doing 95% of their transactions just on our platform rather than building anything of their own. And I think that's the kind of, that's the power of the network effect that we have built in. It's the power of the platform that is basically getting built. And uh, I think this is something we believe is going to be the future. It is probably in 10 years down the line, it's going to become a commodity. How do you purchase last mile capacity 
has to be thought like a like a commodity. Think about it. Like even today, mm, like a payment gateway. Like a pay- exactly like a payment gateway. Today, I'll I'll give you a realistic scenario. We we have a Swiggy, we have a Zomato. Both are amazing food delivery platforms. Both have scaled up operations everywhere. First of all, which is the platform that you order from? Zomato. Zomato. <laughs> okay. Do you, by any chance, do you order from Zomato because their delivery is faster versus a Swiggy? I think I just like the UI of the app. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you are extremely right in that. Both these delivery platforms, people don't order from these platforms because one's delivery is faster than the other. They're actually equally good. It is no more a differentiator. True, true, true. Versus the experience that you can provide to your customer, the customization that you provide uh, to a customer. For a matter of fact, I stay in Bangalore and I think in Bangalore, majority of the people use Swiggy. My reason for probably staying on the same platform is because they have so much data on me. Whenever I open the app, I know what, <laughs> or rather they know what I want to eat. <laughs> they remember what I last ate. And I think the amount of personalization that is coming on some of these platforms, that's what is becoming a differentiator. The merchant experience is probably becoming a differentiator. The pricing is becoming a differentiator to the customer as well as the merchant. But the last mile experience is no more a differentiator. And that is how the world is eventually going to be at. It's going to be a single network. There is going to be a people-based network which is built on top of trust. Trust, experience, data, you need to have a common data point. If you don't have a common data point between platforms, I am a fraud person. I'll first go and defraud one platform, then I'll go to the other platform, then I'll go to the third platform. These individuals that you're dealing with, you need to, this needs to be built on behavioral analysis. And I think the kind of data today that we have, it's a very differentiated data. It's it's a it's a behavior. Data across categories, across clientele, across markets, across and even the consumer behavior data that we today track and the kind of data we have is essentially like if you are a customer, you order from a Swiggy, you order from a Zomato, you order from let's say five other, ten other platforms, there's a good probability that let's say Shadowfax will end up delivering all of those. There's no other platform which has this kind of a data algorithm built on so much insight on delivery partners as well as consumers in a particular micro market. I think that's what we we believe that data is something which is which is going to become the differentiator and the power of this platform. The data, the algorithm, how do you manage customer experience? And eventually there are going to be a few very, very large networks where anybody can plug into. Like and I, I think that's where I draw a big comparable or a parallel to how the telecom connectivity works. If you think telecom in every geography that you grow, you have a minimum of three to four players. You don't other customers want to just depend on one player because oh. Let's say Airtel is bad in my, how do I work? Or Reliance is bad in my area, how do I work? So always going to be those like three, four large networks to run in. Who have all the data, who have basically distribution capacity. And I think I think that's how even last mile delivery is going to eventually behave. I think the kind of platform that we are building, it, it's something which is creating a category of its own. It is a category uh, where anybody can plug into, draw capacity for servicing their customers, create a delightful customer experience without actually building for all of that in every micro market that you. It's a platform where we believe in the next 10 years, businesses are going to be built. Businesses in the future, or even today, a lot of them which are coming up, uh, they don't actually need to set up any ground operations. They can just plug onto a network there's a network effect which comes into play. You get access to uh, trusted people. You get all of that data. You have all like those amazing APIs to get like minute split second level update on what is happening with my transaction. 
And I think that's what we have built. That's what we are continuously building in our Shadowfax today. We are there in about 600 cities now. We plan to go to 2,000 cities of this country. Today, we have 150,000 verified daily active users on the platform. We have 5 lakh verified monthly active users on the platform. People who come, people who have basically been verified by us, who have done a few orders and essentially they want to do more. That's the kind of base that we have been able to create. And I'll tell you one very, very interesting fact about the way we have built this business. And that's when I said that the early fundamentals were actually responsible for creating what we are today. It's been six and a half years since we started. For the first five years of our journey, we had a zero marketing budget. We never spent because the inbound demand, not just demand. The, the, our marketing essentially goes into bringing people, doing all the mobilization. We actually created a very, very strong peer-to-peer -peer referral network. Today, even today, sixty to seventy percent of our actually new people who come in, app downloads or whatever you call it, is actually just organic. We have our offline centers. We have off like how employment exchanges, where we have those small small franchises everywhere, where you can just walk in and say, "I want to start working." You are working in Shadow Files, you'll get a lucrative offer by bringing in five of your friends. We never spent any marketing money. We used our own platform. We went, we basically went there, we launched a particular area. We used to do these grassroots uh, mobilization drives. People used to come in and then the growth would automatically happen. And basically when your when referral starts growing for you, that's when you know that you're creating value on the supply side. So until first five years, we never did that. I think we were like by the time we were creating a model, we were proving profitability. We were creating this micro market dynamics by bringing all categories, building a lot of technology to manage such kind of a complicated scenario in every micro. We never spent on marketing, and I think we've been growing at a crazy pace. I think it's been like I think one one and a half years since we have actually started looking at marketing now because we have we are looking to grow at an extraordinary pace. Even like just to give you some insight. I think in the last two years between pre-COVID versus now, we are almost four times larger than what we were pre-COVID. And the idea is that we want to probably grow 3x in the next 12 to 15 months. I think at that kind of a scale, growing like growing like a model which can grow so fast is a very, very strong testament that I think we have successfully been able to create a very unique category and a very differentiated one as well. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. So uh, I have a, a whole bunch of questions which I've been noting. So I guess like a quick summary of Shadowfax is Uber for delivery, right? Like you are, like, would that be right? Like Uber for delivery for enterprises. APIs, we are, we are right. Like, for enterprises. For, like right, you right. go to my website, you can't place an order right now. You have to be, you have to integrate with our APIs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a B2B, like Uber for B2B. Got it. And so you are saying that eventually companies like Zomato and Swiggy will start cutting down their own delivery teams and just plug into Shadowfax. And like, that's the way you see the, the how, how things will trend. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think a large part of that has already started happening. I think some of the large food delivery platforms, not just Shadowfax, that even like even newer players coming in this particular space. And the whole idea is that eventually there needs to be multiple platforms. Then there'll probably be a few very very large platforms that will get created in this particular space. And even like maybe Zomato's own inside fleet might itself become a separate platform later. That can very well happen. But there will be very limited platforms, and people will need to 
work with like they need to diversify their risk they cannot have all their eggs in a single basket beat their own basket you can't even put both your legs in within your own own ambit as well you want to diversify your platform risk while on the other hand understanding how the global macro is eventually going to operate some of the ideas for example you see a swiggy investing a lot into instamart oh, which is a grocery delivery is essentially extending that same last mile to basically create a very differentiated platform where you have all these categories in but again you as a platform cannot just depend even on your own the great scenario is maybe you do 40 45% of your overall transactions through your own network you diversify this you control a certain element of that risk uh, maybe for the remaining 50% you have two or maximum three players for actually helping you out and helping you manage your cost or your probably your customer experience is there a cost differential for a company to build in house versus uh, work with shadowfax yeah yeah there's a, there's a cost there is obviously there'll be like yeah. there's a question of scale also yeah, like yeah. assuming 100 would be different and assuming 10000 would be different but like see i think uh, it's not just a pure cost problem cost definitely is very very high if you if you are a brand which is starting right now the it's cost and the barrier to entry is so high that you want like it'll, it'll become a point of failure for you that's how the current ecosystem is today if you are a brand coming in it just does not make because nobody is going to fund you it's, it takes like hundreds of millions of dollars to actually build this in every geography so i think that in today's time it's not just cost problem it's it's a exist uh, like existence crisis and today in the space where we are we are the largest guys there are actually brands who work only with us and these are some of the large brands they don't have an option because nobody has the kind of serviceability the cost and the quality that we deliver today uh, so i know obviously brands which are upcoming right now every brand works with us that's how the business has been when it comes to some of the large marketplaces i think we do provide a cost differential but i think more than the cost differential i think the value that we bring apart from cost is something that matters for these people i think the way some of the large platforms have started realizing is that the demand fluctuation at a local level is so high that either you inflate your in-house mechanisms or you or, or you reject customers there's no middle ground right, right. there's a there's an opportunity cost either way <laughs> either you over hire or you under hire yeah. in, in either case and, you have a and the, and see the hyper local problem or the last mile problem is a very real time sort of a problem today you cannot have suddenly you have so many new customers coming in and you can't plan it because the entire delivery cycle is 30 minutes today 30, even 30 minutes is becoming like longer now okay people are talking 10 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah okay, yeah not 10 right, minutes right. is a new thing though if you have the entire inception of an idea to place an order to the expectation that the order is going to come is it in 10 minutes how do you imagine managing like such a such a fickle last mile i i think that's where we essentially get i think one of the capabilities that we have built in is basically on a real time basis the moment you start seeing a spike you start getting basically that kind of a service so uh, i i think an example and this is what webo actually compares a lot uh, to in terms of when uh, when uh, when we explain some of our enterprise solutions uh, think about the aws the moment you starting you start to draw more power from a server aws helps you scale up in a real time manner just scale up without planning too much in advance i think that's the kind of api that solution now that we started building where the moment you see it in this particular corner there is a demand expected in the next 15 minutes the overall trend for today looks like this place is getting more demand how do you ensure that you solve for that so customers the way they look at us is that they look at their like how many customers do they have to reject 
and the moment they plug us in the reduction the uh, that factor basically improves significantly for them and that's the differentiator that is that is that's the value creation that we are doing and that's and trust me if you can avoid a customer from leaving your platform to go to a competitor platform if you can save that that is priceless absolutely priceless Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that cloud analogy is a great way to understand. Like, no company would really build their own server farm, or and the ones who have their own server farm would probably get into the business of productizing it, like a Google, Amazon have done. So, yep. got it. So, let's talk about the product now. You know, what was version one of that product? What did it look like, and how has it evolved over the years to what it is today? Yeah, <laughs> that's a very interesting, and I, I can speak about that. for for hours and hours and hours i think how we think about our product and how we think it will be in the next 5 years what it is right now what it was okay i think through start off it was basically a very simple api where let's say we used to go and we used to integrate in the dos compatible format of a of a pos system so for example you are you are a restaurant it it was a very simple integration like we used to like web we used to run a code within 5 minutes there will be a pop up like you'll have a pop up now whenever you press that you can enter a couple of details and you will get a, your delivery request is accepted after that and uh, so we had this pop up feature where you can basically place an order and uh, it was like very simple like it was like it will take you probably 5 seconds to place an order that's how easy and curated it was so we used to do that the order used to come to our server we used to allocate it to the nearest individual who could deliver it and there was the order would pop up on their app they'll basically accept it deliver it and come back and they can and you can then basically track that entire journey as a restaurant owner i can see where my order is delivered and at, at to the last mile customer we used to ship us send a small sms sms mail the customer there was a link to yeah. a very simple three sided solution we had enterprise and again uh, we used to like the the product would have all the order history you can there was a small like uh, we used to call it a merchant portal <laughs> and uh, you uh, you can actually track all your history you can see some of the data analytics around all of that i think that was how simple the product was to, uh, at the, back in those days <laughs> how, how, how would the collections happen like would you send them a monthly invoice or daily very very initial days we had a weekly collection then in a couple of months we started with a wallet system where you had to prepay then I think in a year after that we started with a COD system as well. We used to collect COD. We used to deduct our payouts yeah, and okay. pay the remote, remaining amount to the to the purchase partners. And how did that evolve over the years? So once you went like with with a pivot to enterprise, yes. then and in the early days, how did you tell your people where to stand? Like okay, <laughs> that was that was I think the Great Indian Jugards. <laughs> so a uh, very very manual system. I didn't I don't think we had all those systems back for that. I think the idea was to build a basic prototype just to see whether this works or not. So I think we used to use SMS, WhatsApp, okay. These are we used to create very static hotspots as well. So these are like a few points we used to create. We knew these people would be tired, so we had to have a parking spot. I remember, like in one of the localities where there were a lot of people, we even had a had a water tank kind of a concept that you basically come over here and you have free water. We used to like upsell to those people. We used to ask them to basically bring more referrals. So water tank idea has always been floating in and about at times whenever like. 
whenever you st- struggle in the delhi heat so <laughs> you get the water tanks out <laughs> so again very grassroots level solution that we built over there fundamentals understanding people understanding how they behave understanding what people really need and see the problem that we are solving this is not something which are, it's not a like you can't sit it in an office and solve you have to understand the pain of some of these individuals some of these guys like the, the way they work with us you never imagine the problems until you actually meet them and you realize that that's the reason why people leave or uh, like join some other firm they might just very well leave you you might actually be thinking oh am i paying less am i doing something wrong but maybe something goes wrong something some fundamental goes off and 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 it creates a problem so i think that understanding and then building on top of that product so today our product is very different not very different i would say but it's extremely complicated extremely extremely deep in terms of what it can potentially do so today how it works is that our core engine is essentially an api using that api you can actually get any kind of a delivery transaction done as a company you can say that i want to pick it up in surat and deliver it to bangalore you can do that you want to say that i can you so uh, i thought you were hyper local so you do like uh, intercity also yes it's yes. so over a period of time we build all of these capabilities because see as a customer as an enterprise you need a complete solution you you cannot integrate with a very complicated api and say oh i'll i'll only do the interesting bit i will not do everything and 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 see that when you are integrating with some of the apis right you you have to cross sell you have to go deep into these enterprises when you're creating an enterprise solution that's how it is different as well like you always continuously focus on mining a certain business you want to the more you offer the deeply entrenched you are the better your pricing structure the better your negotiations become over a period of time today we have the capability where again see intercity is also a last mile problem how you pick it up from somewhere and then how you deliver it is the is, is probably something which takes 60% of the overall cost base i think the way our apis work is you can you can basically provide what you want to deliver how big is the item where do you want it to be delivered and then you can basically stay assured then our apis will tell you how to like depending upon the delivery expectations you can actually get anything delivered so i think some of the real time platforms actually have a real time serviceability bit so before you even accept an order from the customer you have to check with us whether we are open for delivery right now or not because the delivery might very well be in the next 10 minutes if i'm not available if i can't do it you should not even accept that order or you accept an order on your own behalf <laughs> i want to provide you with the capability we call it this is a very basic thing what we call as a serviceability apis whether we are serviceable or not then we have then we have the order taking apis within the order taking apis you actually have all like how they, like basically the moment you accept an order you have to return back who's going to deliver it you have to allocate the right individual you have to set the expectation you have to set a certain etas and you basically push that and that's something that gets communicated to the end consumers the third major thing in our system is what we call as tracking and you have to track every aspect of the delivery when they are at the pickup point when they are at the delivery point how are they delivering is the customer interaction okay is anybody stuck in this entire problem what happens if a bike turns wrong so all of those things basically come under the tracking and troubleshooting experience in the post and the fourth api is basically around feedback and like strengthening of data so once a order happens you need to understand how like there's an experience that we provide to a platform as well we need, we have all those what i what i call it as a two sided two sided feedback points where we like we have to strengthen each other's databases as well just to understand 
historically how we did it. If you want to basically build engines on top of that. So that's the fourth API. So all of these APIs are available. They are available on basically two kinds of models today. One we call it as SF on demand. SF on demand is when, it, when you have to deliver within the next 30 minutes. And the other one is what we call as SF ship, which is essentially when you want to deliver across different cities or you have a larger time frame, which is not immediately or basically in the next 30 to 40 minutes. I think we have these two kinds of API configurations. People, brands come in, they integrate with us. And, and again, then it's a completely automated process that follows. So that's basically the, yeah. yeah the intercity you outsource further or you again have built it in? So we started the service by outsourcing certain bits of the supply chain. But I think over a period of time, we have actually built all of this in-house now. So today, our presence in 600 cities is directly connected to us. We have we have basically, we have major network connections and we have established a lot of sortation centers where we basically sort shipments and then move into respective directions. We have, we have expanded and basically gone very, very deep into this category. But I think the differentiation for us, for the brand that work with, still remain the last mile only. The people side of things, that's the reason where we are different. Otherwise, and again, this is a very honest assessment of our business. I don't think our network is a differentiating thing about us. It brings customers to us. Customers come to us because our last mile is very, very differentiated. So that's one part of the product. So basically how the demand aggregates with us. Now, the second most important thing is basically on the supply. So we have a sub Android app. It's an app where Basically, anybody in this country can download that app. They register themselves, they get themselves verified. And within two hours, they are eligible to make money. Our entire vision for the space is that anybody in this country who's looking to make money, they have a bicycle, they have a bike, they have nothing. It's, they should be eligible and be and be allowed to make money within two to three hours of even needing that money. How do you cover to that sort of an aspect? And I think that's where our app essentially comes in. Today, it's a, it's a system where you get, like, you can download the Android app, you get, get yourself registered, you'll be onboarded in a couple of hours after, like, a few checks that we do. And what kind of checks, like, uh, address, and you know, like, Aadhaar, so, like, KYC? So, basically, all the documents you have to upload. Then, uh, what we essentially do is that, basis on a real-time basis, we'll match your face with all the documents. It's a, it's a, it's an AI-driven engine today, which essentially does all of that matchmaking. Then what happens is essentially once you're done with all the matchmaking, you essentially get a demo order. The demo order essentially takes you to a to a physical touch point that we will have in your locality. So today we have close to about 1000 touch points in the 600 city where we are in. And uh, you'll be redirected over there. You go over there, you have to show your ID cards. You have to show that basically you are the same person in. And this is what we call what when we say KYC verified. So we have our own KYC setups at this scale today. And... Uh, Today, these individuals basically download our app and uh, essentially then they start working. So that entire period on an average today takes about two hours. And when they go to that branch, they, the vehicle is probably also inspected and they receive some basic training. Yeah, yeah. so training is there. So training is a part of So training, but see what happens is that Training is a lot happening on the app today. So you'll have live lessons, like you'll have video-based yeah, video training, you'll have modules and you just need to know the very basics of delivery. So see, on day zero, when you join in, we'll not give you a complicated stuff to do. We'll give you the more simple orders. I think that's where our allocation engine comes into play. So for example, if I have a new partner, I will get a prepaid delivery where uh, I, I'll just probably have to travel for a couple of kilometers, not not a long distance delivery at all. I'll go, I'll pick it up, I'll deliver it. I've, so we classify certain transactions, which are the most simplistic transactions. New partners will only get that. 
like you've gamified it basically like g- giving them a sense of achievement with a simple yeah, and, <laughs> so the entire so the, no no so the entire app now is gamified so the moment you log on site onto the app you know these are the five places i can make money this is how i get trained this is how i build my own profile on the system as i do more orders i'll get more orders they can actually like they have a very good health section it's a completely automated health section that we have created now then there this element coming on basically sizzling payout deal so on the app you have all these deals coming and running it that book that's not which is like third pricing of uber like uh, a good way to compare ha but okay. but our deals are more predict so we see it's not like i'm sitting at home suddenly i'll do a deal and oh the guy will run his bike and start delivering orders they have to plan they have to decide now i'm using the app what do i do tomorrow are he deal chal raha kal yahan ja ke kaam karte That's the attitude that we bring in. So I think that's a very agile. And I, I think that that deal is like very appealing to the Indian mind, right? Like, yes, yes. deals always appeal to Indians. Deals always appeal to people, and I, I think we have seen immense success in that. The moment we have to, or uh, we have to improve our, and that's we started selling it as a as a value prop now. Our customers today sponsor these deals. For example, you are a platform. There's a certain locality you want a certain spike tomorrow. Please pay up. Run a deal on our platform. Run a deal on your own orders. We'll say Licious tomorrow is running a deal for all Licious orders. You'll get twenty percent more. Licious is sponsoring it. It's just a platform to enable all of that. Today, I think I think that's that's the way we actually create a lot of value. So let's say think about let's say you are a large, you are a large e-commerce company. You have to deliver e-commerce. The massive sale day event coming in. You want thirty percent more capacity tomorrow. Pay it up. You can get it. You can just get it in in one day. You don't have to like plan for that thirty uh, days in advance. I think that's the kind of model that we have <laughs> essentially emerged onto now. It's an extremely complicated product. You can manage categories. You can manage every and you essentially make money. One manner where we define our app today is we call it like real work could money. No bullshit. You come here, you do real work, you make real money, you go back. How does a gig worker qualify for more complex stuff? Like, say, cash handling, cash is like you know that's like you need more trust. So what happens is we have created a milestone. Again, we have like it's a it's a timeline chart that you have. The moment you cross a certain level, then new levels open up. Think about playing a playing a playing a Catan game online. You reach a certain level, five levels will open up. You get trained on that. Then For some of the very very complex categories, we'll even call to you you to a center. You come to a center, we like pharmacy would be complex. No, would be most complex. Reverse logistics are the most complex. Uh, so re- reverse logistics is basically when you when you want to return a certain product. Let's say you order from 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 an e-commerce apparel website. You don't like that order. You want to return it up. Somebody has to come in. They have to check whether you are returning the right order or not. There's a quality check associated with it. They pick it up and then they deliver it. I'll tell you a very interesting pa- fact about us. We are the market leader in reverse logistics in this country. Having such a fragmented supply base, we have emerged as a market leader in the most difficult category for last mile. That's how difficult our <laughs> or how complex our backends are. Today, through our APIs, let's say you are a brand, you want to, you want. Um, me to pick up a shoe from the last mile customer. You can configure. These are the five checks that I want. We have a pre-decided list of fifty checks. You can pick up any of those. If it is a trusted customer, you don't want to create problems for them. 
you can say, I don't even want to check. Whatever it is, you pick it up. This customer has bought from me in the last, like, 50 times. I know they are a trusted customer. They are not a fake customer trying to uh, send wrong items in. You pick it up. You can actually pass all of that managed through an API. That's how powerful these APIs are. So at pickup point, you want, I want a photo of the of the build. I want, a, I want to essentially uh, have a proof of something. I want you to take a photograph. You can configure all of the, those on an API. So they have a flow. They have to do what the app is telling. That's their training. Read what is there and you do it and it'll happen. It, if it says, take the photo of the build. And we, our, 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 our app is today in about five languages. So <laughs> it'll be written out there. You change your language, you understand what's written. And obviously we have made it extremely intuitive. We don't want to complicate stuff. So I think we have built on that sort of a model. I think just ensuring that people follow what they are being told, creating a technology which can track all of that, identify frauds is extremely important. I know if this delivery boy is working, they've done the last 30 orders where they've delivered every order on time. There is no complaints that have come in. I know now that person is, is real. They are like out there doing the real thing. They're not trying to cut corners. And I can trust them with more complicated stuff. Brands which work with us today in diverse logistics today have been able to reduce 80% of their losses which were happening because incorrect pickups were happening. 80% of their losses. That's how strong the value props are that we have built it. And again, this is built on top of this entire amazing last mile which is flexible, which can do complicated stuff for you. And you have available over an API. So you said that building a service marketplace is, and a profitable service marketplace is extremely challenging because of managing service quality. Yeah. So like, I guess one of the ways in which you manage service quality is this, like giving them gradually more complex work. And so, so then you are able to get like a, uh, like a credit score for people who are working with you, which yeah. makes, and then gamifying it and giving them extra points if they meet expectations. What about like customer feedback and stuff like that? Do you directly collect customer feedback on delivery experience or like the, 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 the brand will collect that and pass it back. So we obviously we can, we have our own feedback mechanisms. Customers get an SMS, they can put feedback over there, they can directly raise it to us. And a lot of feedback obviously comes from the partner platform as well. So they have a API where they actually send us real-time feedback so that we can act if something goes wrong. There is a there's a chat support system where basically all delivery partners have like access to live chat. They can actually chat with individuals on the back end that we have in the central control room in case they're stuck in a certain problem. I think there's a very, very strong feedback loop that you'd need to create. Your data points are all built on top of a feedback. You know, somebody did a wrong order. You cannot give them another order. You have to stop it at that moment itself. You cannot take that decision tomorrow. This guy was doing fraud yesterday. <laughs> it has to be on the go. And I think some of those things remain manual some of those things gradually get automated on product and as we discover new ways in which basically we face at scale we obviously keep on building a lot of minor minor capabilities and like creating those capabilities on top of some historical data trends so that like it can be completely scalable as a solution but basically every time a delivery experience breaks you kind of analyze and then yeah. build it into the product so that that delivery experience does yeah. not break again do you also have like a fintech thing for gig workers, like you know, lending and credit? I mean, that itself can become a big business. Like, 
that will become a big business. I think we have fiddled with it in the past. We don't have a very active means of, I think, providing them loans or anything. I think for that is something that we are building. Maybe that's something that should emerge in the next three to four quarters, if not more. And I think we have, again, there is a lot of problem that these people face on the financial side. Right now, we are solving slightly more fundamental issues in this space. And uh, mm, livelihood issues. Livelihood issues are there, even from a financial inclusion perspective. See, the problem that the space today faces is that nobody gives them a loan. Because they're working in delivery, delivery is not considered to be a space where you'll get a salaried salary slip. Until a salary slip with historical evidence comes in, no bank finances you. If these delivery individuals want finance, they want to even buy a vehicle, they want to upgrade. Now, government has come up with a norm that you have to have electric vehicles. A lot of state governments are now coming up with it. That if you are a delivery partner, you have to buy it. Otherwise, you will not be allowed. They'll be in live view. Now, nobody is actually talking that these delivery individuals, nobody is financing them those vehicles. There's no finance available to these people. Some of those vehicles can also not be financed. So I think solving for those kind of problems is something that we are doing in the middle. I think our largest scope to this problem statement is how to give financial inclusion recognition to this community first. How do you get banks to actually have partnerships and they start trusting your data? There, Because you can do credit underwriting yes. just because of the data you have. We don't even need to do credit underwriting. We can just provide data on which credit underwriting can happen. If we have so much data that you can underwrite your credits. We can't. We, we are not a financial institution to underwrite risk. That's what like the banking license provides you. So I think some of the most progressive banks today, we are actually talking to them. There is a whole conversation around how to solve for this problem first. And if you can solve it through the data that you have, it 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 creates a very significant moat for the business. And I think that's our starting point to solve it from an approach perspective. I think that's like loans and some of these things will emerge. This is something that, that is very, very easy to build. But I think how do you solve it in a more structural manner? Such that like it becomes the differentiator is something that we are looking to do right now. We've also come up with like ideas and things where essentially loans are available. People can actually get like, for example, we've solved for situations where people can get paid on a daily basis. I made money. I want money today. We can give you a real time transfer. You don't have to wait till end of the month. They would probably like get 99% instead of 100% or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. So as a, so they can, uh, they can make like an early salary. Yes. Like an early salary kind of a model. So we, we already have that on our platform. So it's, we, we launched it a few years back and it's one of the differentiators. People know deal aya, we go and work. I'll get money by tomorrow. I'll have a weekend party. This is in collaboration with the fintech or you did no, it in-house? So this is all in-house that we have done it. These are all in-house capabilities. I think with the fintech, with the fintech, with I would say a progressive bank uh, that we are working in, some of the new age banking uh, yeah. banking changes that have been happening, we are trying to bring in more structural changes to this particular sector. Do you want to like actually get into that lending play as a division or you just want to enable them to get access by providing data to a fintech partner? So we will not directly start doing lending. That's not our business to do. I think we are good at something else. Maybe we'll have a partner or a fintech organization to enable some of that. We'll have a place where maybe multiple multiple banks can actually help these individuals out. And again, I think one thing that we've realized over a period of time is that you should do what you do, what you know best. What your core is, if you start doing too much thing, too many things around it, it becomes a problem. Today, we are at a space where the business that we are in, we believe that we can scale 3x in the next 12, 15 months. We can scale 10x in the next three years. We don't need to 
invest our mind space into into solving a different problem which might be better served by somebody who is an expert in that space so now let me pick up the next thread so you said that you you talked about the four parts of your enterprise product where the part uh, the fourth part was about the data feedback loop help me understand that like for example would you tell them that this is a bad customer like a fraudulent customer or or would they like you know uh, what is the kind of data which flows and do you for example tell them even at the time of taking an order that this is a bad customer because you would know based on your experiences with other players which customer is a good customer which is not i think it's a very very detailed like the lot of use cases that we have built onto that so for example when a, when we say the order is not getting delivered at that very moment we can actually share a phone call between the delivery boy and the and the and the partner if somebody wants to run a ai engine on top of that to comprehend whether that the same or not they can actually do it so people like brands can actually verify that yeah this is what the customer said if they didn't accept the order that's one way of looking at it then i think if basically there's a customer complaint coming in the customer says that oh my order is problematic it's not delivered we get that information on a very real time basis our apis based on what the customer is also saying let's say there's a certain delivery partner who has got three complaints in the last 1 hour 2 hour kind of a time frame immediately we block the the apis will start rejecting orders so i think i think those are some of the examples of how this is built in but it's a very complex sort of an algorithm based on what the customer is saying or based on what the delivery partner is saying we communicate that information for effective decision making so tell me about like you know the the revenue and funding journey that you've had you know so like you you told me that you were doing about i think 500 orders a day in a couple of months after launch uh, so how did that grow over the years when did you do your first round of funding you told me you were in talks with investors at the yeah. time of launch also and so i think there were a couple of investors who invested in us before we officially launched there were the group of like friends and family founders that we were able to accumulate i think within a within a quarter of our launch we did our first institutional raise through atrod ventures i think over a period of 6 years we have done four rounds we've raised about 100 million dollars of capital over the period we did our last raise in december 2019 just before covid happened so <laughs> <laughs> like a very good thing to happen considering the consequences and i think that's how our model works like the moment a market becomes turbulent our need increased like we were i think i think covid was a very very interesting time for us and given how the need for home delivery rapidly went up and it's still like i think the tailwinds are are going to be there for the next few decades probably <laughs> that's how long term the impact is going to be there of all of this so i think we've raised the, the last raise was with the flipkart right yeah, flipkart led the round so we have a we have a strategic partnership with flipkart where their instant delivery model is completely built on top of shadowfax so they are one of those brands which are which are basically be built on top of our networks and i think having a trusted name like a flipkart really is a very strong testament to the network itself that uh, someone like that has integrated scaled up successfully and i think the i mean the business scale up will continue happening because the market is really did you not have this concern that you may lose for example amazon business because flipkart has invested in you like like that that kind of a concern of losing some customers because one customer has invested in you so see again i think i think from a governance standpoint we were we were pretty vigilant on that i think there are no blocks we ensure that there is like what i call it all privacy is maintained at the data level i think right from the board level to the governance i think the way we have set up we we ensure that this is never this never becomes the problem having said that 
see anyways nobody <laughs> amazon does not work with 3pl amazon builds its own so it's not even like a like a business you can even take so amazon hardly outsources 95% of their deliveries happen in house versus a flipkart which is which is significantly open to outsourcing so none of the large even in the e-commerce 3pl space amazon is not even the top three customers for any particular logistics company in this country right 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 for them logistics is a core in house thing so they don't really outsource got it i think they're investing at a global level which makes it very different and what about revenue like uh, can you share some like numbers of how revenue grew or number of orders or so today on a monthly basis like on a daily basis we do close to a peak of like a million orders a day and on an average we would be doing about 7 to 8 8 lakh orders a day across categories uh, across all the cities that we have presented we've grown almost like 4x uh, pre covid versus now today we are at at a at a revenue run rate of close to about 200 million dollars so uh, that's a annual revenue that we are running at today so i think the platform has grown quite steeply we still continue to grow uh, 100% year on year for the last few years Uh, despite covid despite all the <laughs> all the lockdowns that keep hampering business uh, but i think as we are coming out of covid the way market is opening the way some of the action is happening especially in the quick commerce e-commerce space i think the next tier looks pretty interesting for us and uh, i think some of the brand uh, bets that we have taken some of the partnerships that we have done we believe that we'll probably build like close to a 3x scale in the next 12 to 15 months maximum so <laughs> a really high growth trajectory as we are sitting in and what is the contribution to this revenue like how much comes from say food tech how much comes from e-commerce and like you know what, what? so it's it's quite a equitable distribution between three large categories that we have food grocery and e-commerce pharma fits somewhere between grocery itself uh, the way the complexity of the, i think it's a pretty much an uh, equal looking distribution between these three categories today but yeah i think the quick commerce and the e-commerce space are growing really fast are you looking to raise now like i think we'll be we'll be we'll be raising some capital in the subsequent quarter now i think there's some conversations which have made it headway in the recent couple of months so yeah something very well might happen this year yeah i'm pretty sure that would be like a unicorn round right like i refrain from going to the the kind of growth you've seen over the past two years so unicorns are, are a myth do you know what shadow fight really means the, oh, no no uh, that was one of my questions uh, <laughs> it felt just like how, how how did you choose this name yeah uh, so by the way before like before us choosing this name so uh, shadow facts is a mythical horse in in lord of the rings have you seen the movie or read the book i have i have but i don't remember i've not read the book yeah, actually so you've seen the movie right so you so there's this protagonist gandalf gandalf has a bright white horse the horse's name is shadowfax it only comes once in the movie it's, it's, it's there's a small i i think the second uh, second movie i think there's a small uh, piece on shadowfax now shadowfax is considered to be one of the like the it's a mythical horse obviously so it's considered to be one of the fastest horse it can comprehend human language of mythical times <laughs> so i think i think that's how we uh, i think that the concept behind shadowfax i remember like like the night we were talking to investors we had not even launched first set of investors that we were talking to and i was meeting someone the next day and there were a couple of very close friends who were like we were having a drink and we were like we need to have a name tonight if we have to talk tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and and I think you have those buzzy nights, right, where you come up with the brightest of ideas. So <laughs> I think that's how the that's how Shadowfax came into existence as a, as a name. 
and uh, yeah i think we've just grown to love the name over over a period of time so uh, yeah so you're already a mythical horse so so another mythical horse title does it really wow so last set of questions how are you different from some of the other players in the field are you comfortable talking about it like for example how is uh, and again health listeners who are not from yeah. the space to understand the space for example how are you different from a ecom express or a delivery yeah. or a ship rocket like you know if you can if you could just so see uh, there are two kind of businesses one is like uh, like logistics companies one is like pure play aggregator platforms something like a picker or a or a ship rocket is actually an aggregator platform where uh, you really don't do deliveries you find people like shadow facts or a delivery to aggregate and you help them help a small merchant manage between different kind of logistics companies so that's a platform so they are aggregating businesses on both sides yes. they are not directly working with it not doing this okay they are actually not doing the the fulfillment part of this thing then you have the the e-commerce logistics companies i think the big differentiator is they don't do on demand delivery they cannot fulfill your order in the next 30 minutes they are not like the technology over there is not provided for solving for that and i think that's probably the biggest differentiation between us we are the when it comes to on demand commerce we are the largest leaders in that we are probably so like ecom express delivery these are e-commerce logistics these are only like, e-commerce. like they, they do like next day delivery kind of yes yes they can only do that and i think uh, uh, they're purely into that so for us e-commerce business is still about 30 40% of our revenues where there is some yeah there is a competition but i think the remaining business is fairly different i think this is more from a customer value prop perspective but i think from a back end perspective it's a very different back end we are built on top of these gig network individuals they nobody else has a gig network the kind of network that we have built and it's it's the network which may, which helps us differentiate ourselves so i think i think the operating system is very very different but i think none of them are actually from a from a just an outsider or a layman view perspective i think if you want on demand in this country which potentially everybody wants today you you have to integrate with us there's nobody else who's doing this like uh, ultra fast delivery like you have you have individuals building niches in specific cities you have a vfast doing it in bombay you have danzo doing it in a lot of cities but uh, i think from a core logistics or a category perspective we are the we are the only one so we have we are the and again we love building category we call we love calling ourselves a category leader in this mm-hmm. but but vfast and danzo are again more direct to consumer kind of yeah, yeah so they are not a head on competition but they are more sme driven they are but we are again enterprise driven so in some ways they are in related space not obviously having a direct you are essentially in a category of your own yeah, to yeah. a large extent <laughs> and and so someone like a zepto would have to build on you only like there's no way a company like zepto could have been built without integrating with shadowfact i mean see to start with it's better you try it out you build it on yourself but again we are working very close to models like that and helping them create that zero to one solution that they might have created in certain geographies to create more like a, a larger pan india outlook and a scalable cost effective what is like the organization dna of shadowfact like if if someone wants to an outsider who's considering a career in shadowfact like how would you describe the organizational dna See the organization DNA. It's a it's a very flat organization. We 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 pride ourselves in basically thinking long term. So we hire people who have spent long 
ड्यूरेशन ऑन द सेम प्रॉब्लम स्पेंड टाइम इन द सेम ऑर्गेनाइजेशन फॉर अ लॉन्ग टाइम इट्स वन ऑफ द की हायरिंग एंड शॉर्टलिस्टिंग क्राइटेरिया एंड वंस यू कम इन देन यू एसेंशियली आर गिवन वेरी लॉन्ग टर्म सॉर्ट ऑफ प्रॉब्लम्स टू सॉल्व फॉर अगेन बींग स्टार्टअप इट्स अ वेरी डिसरप्टिव शॉर्ट ऑफ एन एनवायरमेंट यू डोंट इट्स नॉट ब्यूरोक्रेटिक इट्स लाइक एवरीबडी सुपर रीचेबल इट्स अ फ्लैट ऑफ स्ट्रक्चर एनीबडी कैन टॉक टू एनी वन यू टेक प्रॉब्लम्स इन If you want to fail, you fail fast. Don't keep dragging onto it. Like move quickly. Show like show outcomes into things. Show, show real change uh, challenges. And I think some of the problems that we solve for again, I like calling it. It's it's something. It's a it's a original problem statement. A lot of problem statements that we see in our business, there's no comparable to that. So what you will find is there's a lot of first principle problem solvers in our office. We appreciate people thinking from scratch. uh building out problem statement by them so defining the objective of what they really want to solve for i think the great thing is that people in our leadership they don't come from this industry they have they're coming from all kind of diverse industries then logistics we are not we are like logistics is a space where the like the grayer your hair is the uh, the better it is and i think we are the outsiders in this space we we talk fresh clients love us because we talk very different thing we we don't talk the standard logistics jargon that everybody is talking out there in the market so i think that's the kind of culture it it has become eventually we also pride ourselves in having a very good work life balance there are obviously times when you work extremely hard but i think generally having a very disciplined balanced approach starting like sharp at like 9 o'clock in the morning ending before dinner time maintaining discipline having a lot of sports events so we are known for having a lot of sports events in our offices i personally like playing a lot even today like i play like four times a week some of the other thing and i think that's a very core thing of the dna for us like For our office team, it's not like Friday. Okay, so we are there. People are like Friday. Okay, let's let's have a football game now. So uh, I think that's the kind of culture. Very young people. The average age of the organization is close to about thirty. So we'll we'll hardly have anybody outside the eighty percent of the organization would be in the range of twenty five and thirty five today. So very young organization. People are generally looking to change and disrupt things. and again having a peaceful approach to it as well <laughs> more sustainable if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m . i n for a complete list of all our shows Before we end the episode I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020 and in the last 2 years I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network then you must consider becoming a podcaster. and the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with zencaster which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization if you are planning to check out the platform then please show your support for the founder thesis podcast by using this link zen.ai/founderthesis that's zen.ai/founderthesis